Welcome to Backyard Philosophy, a podcast where a couple friends grab some cold ones, sit around the fire, and talk about science, philosophy, and history. Crack one open, sit back, and get a good laugh as we discuss everything from automation to why the meaning of life is 42. The idea that the Earth revolves around the sun, abolition, and video games. What do these three things have in common? Someone's tried to ban every one of them. Today we're going to talk about suppression of information. Some people call it censorship. There's a lot of different words for it. We're going to talk about the long history humans have associated with suppressing other forms of information. We're going to talk about ways people got around it the effects of it, historical effects of it, and a little bit about censorship in today's world. Before we get there, Mike, how you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing pretty good, my friend. I'm drinking some Buffalo Trace, and this is going to be a hot topic for me because I do not like the suppression of information. What about you, Nick? How you doing? What are you drinking? Doing great. Going with the tried-and-true Coors Light. I was going to start way back in time. Probably not the earliest, but something I came across from a long time ago. Figure we'd start it off. Someone, kind of everyone talked about, didn't really want to bring up some obscure one example from s- some crazy far off time no one's ever heard about from the sea people or something. But 231 BC, in an area uh, of China, just the far east, The emperor there burned a bunch of of books of Eastern philosophers to stop their spread around his country, including a well-known Eastern philosopher, probably the most well-known, Confucius. Then since then, we've had suppression of information, book burning throughout history. Socrates in 399 BC was killed. killed my boy. (laughs) He was killed for corrupting the youth and questioning authority and not acknowledging certain gods. This is a little bit off topic, but I'm a big fan of Socrates. And he had the option of, I think it was exile or death by a poison. And he's like, give me the cup and just drink the cup. And goes, I'm good. Adios. This isn't a new... Yeah. Plato also talked about a system of censorship in the finer arts. And Mike, there's one of your favorites, Galileo was killed by the church, and his ideas were hunted down and destroyed. The, I would say, the pinnacle of home arrest of, you literally did nothing wrong, but yet you still get in trouble for it. It's the, the knowledge is too dangerous, quote unquote, to get out there or to go against the current regime at this time would be the church. Yeah, and the church was responsible for a lot, a of, lot of, uh, of censorship. censorship. <laughs> Working with and for governments governments working for the church uh, religious bodies often had a large part in different censorship like that talk about another one that was kind of church related as well Uh, in around 1695 or a little bit before that uh, a man named john milton wrote oh my gosh um arrow Pagetis, oh my gosh, what was Pagica, it like? I'm sure. Aeropagica. Aeropagica. Anyway, he wrote this speech 
in response to the English who wanted to censor all publishing. So before anything could be published, it had to be reviewed by the, uh, the crown, should we say, since we love to call them the crown here. I like to point out the fact that they still have a monarchy. But every publication from a pamphlet to a book would have to be pre-approved by the English government. And Milton argued that it was the people's who needed to do the censoring, not the government. He said that... He already sounds very Voltaireish to me of going against the grain and speaking out and being loud. And Nick, can I just point out, I love how you had to ask me how to pronounce a word. I find that so ironic. That is, especially after we, talk, we, <laughs> we talked about it before the podcast. And I came across it and blanked. It's all good, but I have yet to read John Milton's book. I'll have, probably have to add it to my list because that kind of sums up my avenue. And I kind of want to touch on before we get too far. I find it very historically important that book burnings were kind of very common for suppression of information. Uh, Confucius, which I found a little bit more interesting because what I know about Confucius philosophy was order, hierarchy, uh, a lot of discipline in your set not quite a caste system but you know listen to your father you know do good for the government and stuff like that which i found kind of interesting he told me that the emperor at that time was burning his books i found i found confucius to be more totalitarian that's probably that's probably not the right word but a lot more submissive in his philosophy i'm much more western philosophy of be, I guess that's probably why I'm a Texan and, and American is be loud, be yourself, speak out, make noise, don't worry about other people, just don't always follow the grain. And I, again, the book burnings, such a common theme throughout history of suppressing information. Yeah, for sure. And uh, don't worry, we're not done with all the book burnings yet. God, I but, wish we uh, were, though. <laughs> um. So Milton, his argument was that, like we said, people should be their own censors. Uh, he pointed back to the, the Bible and talked that, about how like, Moses was, was self, self-read. And basically, he says that, all, that books are books, and we learn something from every book, whether it's a good book or a bad book. We have to use our free will to judge the books. So we can get you know, good ideas from bad books, right? But we have to look through our own eyes and figure out if, you know, what these books are saying is false or not, not leave that up to the state. And he also referenced something else we talked about, Mike, something no one expects. <gasps> the Spanish Inquisition? Yes. Nobody the ever Spanish expects <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition also prohibited texts. That was one of the things. So... He argued that any kind of censorship could lead to something like that. Yeah, can we not have another Spanish Inquisition where it lasts for like 400 years and, you know, tons of people of different religious backgrounds get tortured, killed, and a lot of stuff going up butts, which is quite ironic for being a Christian church movement. There's a really easy joke there. <laughs> I, I, I love how I kind of touched around it and didn't want to say it. Anyway, um, but that didn't stop censorship, obviously. And it did eventually repeal. His book helped to remove 
the censorship the English government was trying to put in place because they had a, uh, the uh, Catholic Church had a, it's kind of started, they had a list of prohibited books that were and were not allowed, and you could not read the forbidden books list, kind of like how California has a registry of firearms, and if it's not on that list, you can't own it. It's the same way with books. If it's not on that list, you can't own it. It has to be that specific book. It can't be like the abridged version or, you know, the notes or something. It's got to be pretty strict on that and what they, they can and can't allow. Fun fact, there's still illegal books in America, even to this day. Yep. There's a lot of illegal books. And more and more are getting added to the list. Really? I did not know they were still adding more. Yeah. I, I was reading... Uh, somewhere that there's uh, the libraries have like a banned book day where they like i forget so that they like celebrate the books that were banned the previous year i don't know by banned do you mean banned from the country or banned from schools uh i think banned from schools maybe i don't know i didn't really read the whole thing it was kind of weird to me books are still banned in america which is so weird to me sorry nick i interrupted your train of speech please uh continue Nope. Um, it's all it's all good. Don't need to censor yourself. <laughs> that one's that was for you. Thank you. That was for you. Um, but this is my my kind of thought with censorship because after all this censorship that from the English government and other governments of the time, the Enlightenment followed suit. And I'm maybe jumping ahead here, but I kind of want to give people this idea of. To me, it seems like. After censorship, just because everything repeats in history, right? I think that after censorship, you find some sort of enlightenment. After all the censorship that Milton was writing against, and after the Confucius book burning, his philosophy spread across the East, and the enlightenment spread across Europe. And so I think censorship leads to, but not always, people understanding the need for information. But that's not always the case, though. And I've got an example here for you. Oh, boy. Germany, at the end of World War II, everyone knows the Nazis were famous for burning books. At the end of it, uh, East Germany continued on not allowing certain books. There was still heavy censorship that took place. So, Well, was that because of the Germans or was that because of the Russians? Well, that was... I don't know exactly. It's probably because of the Russians, because this leads into another point. Censorship is very common in Marxist governments. Yeah, it's a. I would definitely agree with that statement. China, North Korea, Russia, uh, USSR, a couple countries that ends in stands. Yeah, uh, Marxism is uh, kind of bad, folks, and it kind of leads to book burnings. Yep, and... We've been focusing on books and ideas, but suppression of information can take on a lot of forms. Uh, so in 1967, army officers in Greece took over the country, and they only allowed limited economic information about the country out. And because of that, it basically crippled their country because they no one knew, like no one would invest in it because no one knew what was going on. It, it just kind of crippled business. So suppression of a lot of kinds of information can be damaging in its own right. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was a Western monarch, but the royal 
member died and the close counsel didn't tell anyone so they could still they could rule in their absent so the lack of letting you know your monarch died led to people so-called behind the curtain ruling so you don't know who was actually ruling at that time so uh not knowing your leader is kind of a important one and nick suppression of information comes in all sorts and sizes like not letting you know what your so-called enemies are doing I imagine a lot of wars just controlling the information, saying these are bad people, they did blah, 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 even though it wasn't true. But you fed that uh, uh, that propaganda to them that caused wars to happen. That I would say that's a type of suppression of information. Yeah, exactly. Another uh, suppression of information I ran across was in, when Poland is a, a communist country, there's strict censorship in Poland because— I don't know if you call it censorship, suppression of information, or just downright lying. You know, in like a Marxist-run co- country, you have to perform, right? So you, if, you know, the government wants however many bushels of wheat, tons of wheat, you Potatoes have to give it to vodka. them. <laughs> now, whatever you give them doesn't necessarily exist, right? So if you put on paper however many tons of wheat you were shipped, it never gets there. The, the communist government supposedly had no idea how dismal the economy of the country was because everything they were seeing said it was going great, right? Because no one wanted to be the guy dragging it down. No one wanted to get in trouble. So you just lie. And then all those lies eventually catch up. All those little lies that that, that country is built on is just collapse. A house of cards, quite, quite literally. And it's... I didn't know about that with people lying and fo- I mean, people fudge the books constantly in even modern society, but no one thought to investigate to figure out like, hey, why are food prices so high when we have X amount of food? I don't know. No, the government decides the price, right? So. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Don't... That's this is this is communist Poland. Yep. Yeah. It's not a market-driven <laughs> economy. Yeah, so that didn't doesn't really work. Um, but yeah, but so what, what I kind of think we've had all these su- examples of suppression of information. I do think it will lead to an enlightenment. But I want to talk about um, the I guess other for like more forms of censorship. Now I don't have specific examples of these, but censorship or suppression of information isn't always you know just making up one side or, or not allowing the other side it can be you know sometimes it's a scalpel of going and removing one or two words changing it something ever so slightly or sometimes it's a hammer so just completely getting rid of all the information but i guess the best way to relate this would be clickbait nick i'm, I'm not tracking so uh this is kind of where i hop in because this is where i saw kind of I'll jump back into history, but this is kind of a different form of it. Uh, it's more a personal level. So for those not familiar, clickbait, if you're listening to this, you probably know what clickbait is, is you add a thumbnail or an image to whatever video or product that you make, and you try to sell it, much like an advertisement, like a, a model on top of a magazine. And you make it look the best, you change the words, you over-dramatize, 
you add explosions in the background to make it a little interesting. Or like a news company, they kind of lead you astray. Like they take a statement out of place without proper quoting the context of it. And get your attention of it, the clickbaiting it. They're trying to get you to click on it. They're trying to change or give you knowledge that might not be true. They want you to, they want to mislead you with information. And clickbaiting, whether it be an image or words, is some way a suppression of information. Like if I wrote a news article and I cut out 95% of what the person says and just took what I want from that person out of context, I can make someone sound horrible. And that's, to me, a modern one, which I will touch about in modern later. But let's get back to different types of examples, Nick, that you're about to explain. So you have, for reporting, you know, like news or something, you have biased reporting. So you explain why evidence supports one view, but you don't explain any evidence supporting another view. Or you talk about one reason why something is great, and then you just don't talk about other reasons why it's not good instead bring up poor quality arguments against it you know so like if you're comparing like xbox and ps5 and you're trying to go back over technical specifications and someone's like well i just i just don't like the color of the xbox buttons or something like that it's just like you're going to talk about how great the ps5's memory banks is and then talk about how stupid the xbox controller looks it's like there's there's real comparisons to make, but you're not making them. Cherry picking. Or you, yeah, you just find fault with the person making the other argument. Yeah, I mean, Scott, this is going back to caveman times, but simply screaming over a person or saying, no, you're dumb, and just like insulting them to get them to stop talking, to stop seeing a perspective from a different side. God, that's, I wouldn't, I would love to know how many people in in the world have had arguments where the other person just yells and screams or insults them to because they're losing an argument yep or another one that falls right in with this is saying that an opinion is held by all or many like many people or all people majority of people prefer the xbox over ps5 like that's probably not true it's like when people use statistics and percentages out of context to help make their side sound better yep or you only so you're doing you only interview people from one side so you have a you interview five people who prefer playstation and no one who prefers xbox and like obviously everyone prefers the playstation but that would make too much sense but nick since we're talking about modern and history is still in the mind if i could i'd like to bring it back to the 1950s can I go a little bit earlier than that, and then? Oh, absolutely, one... my friend. I'm. I got a bottle of bourbon, a glass full of ice, and talking with a good friend. We can be here as long as you want. So, before the Civil War, when the abolition movement was kind of gaining steam, but wasn't quite a national mindset, or I guess a northern completely mindset, much less the thought of any southerner. The abolition movement was trying to get their voice heard in the southern states of the United States. And they decided to mail, just spam, a bunch of letters to all the newspapers, to houses down there, influential people, just spam them with just the abolitionist voice so that they could be heard, that they had to see, you know, they're putting it right in their face. 
So they wanted Congress to pass a law prohibiting that, prohibiting abolition speak because they were afraid it was going to ignite a uh, slave rebellion. That was their, their justification. But, and so all these letters are still coming in. So something had to be done, right? Well, a lot of times people would just go to the post office because the post office knew what was happening. You know, they knew what it was. They weren't quite sure what to do. But so they wouldn't deliver them. They just kind of hold them. And people would come in from the communities and just take them and burn them all so that no one had to, no one had to read them. And just like I think all forms of censorship, it almost makes it worse because now everyone's curious about these letters everyone's burning, right? <laughs> people want what they can't have. So if you burn a book or a paper, I want to see what is written on it. Yep. And you had, there, there were, there was, you know, gag laws in place in, in the governments. You couldn't talk about abolition. There was, you know, you couldn't talk about it in the streets, but people still found a way to get it out in public. So that was one story that I wanted to bring out just because there's always a way I want to point out it's <laughs> there's always a way around it. And oftentimes just another example of how censorship leads to almost the information getting out more than if you just left it alone. I feel like sometimes the hardest thing to do, but sometimes the best thing to do is do nothing. But so you had a story from the 50s. Yes. Let me set the scene for you. It's the end of World War Two. The superpowers that remain mainly just russia and america every other country's kind of rebuilding or devastated kind of divvied up the world for a little bit russia being a marxist country quickly imposed communist ideas to a lot of these countries in the ussr and their allies one of these countries being korea this suppression of information saying that the western world the americans the western europeans all these other people are starving they have terrible lifestyles they want to come live in these countries we're lucky to have what we have they lied to their people so that way they don't the one people don't leave two people don't want to regime change it's amazing to me how it seems like the i don't know if this is the same thing for you nick but in both current and past the suppression of information is simply to hold on to power, not necessarily influence as a society. It's more power-based. I yeah, I think there are outliers, but I would say overall that's the current theme of it. Do you concur? I do. I was, gonna, I was hoping to get to that sometime, but it does seem like the last straw of a regime about to go out, doesn't it? Like the church before enlightenment. Uh, this emperor before Confucianism, where it took root, you got a la the last a gag order before the abolition movement took off. It's a last ditch effort, and it never pales off. But you know, history always repeats itself. And one thing that communism was uh, kind of good for was uh, showing how bad it was. Quickly, uh, other countries got involved. I believe it was the French, Australians, and Americans. I'm not sure about the French and Australians. I'm not sure if that was Vietnam or Korea. I might have those memories mixing up. But the whole premise was to, quote-unquote, stop the Korean War. It was somewhat effective. We drew a line. I think it was the 55th parallel. I think that's the latitude. No, the longitude that it's on that separates North Korea and South Korea. But that suppression 
of information that spin on a story of solely doing it to stop communism didn't really work out for one north korea and i could make the argument for south korea but also wouldn't work out for vietnam so for vietnam we tried doing the same thing the stopping of communism well so to speak could be that we were just simply trying to hurt our current enemies at the time the ussr uh but trying to spin a story saying that they were the bad guys the same thing we did for north korea didn't work out because now there was a media involved rather than getting random letters or a couple photographs from the war front like we did in world war one world war two and the korean war we now had full-blown video cameras recording and daily news updates on the vietnam war this was the first war and coined by others but in your living room so no longer could governments specifically the united states and our enemy at the time vietnam could lie about their actions what they were doing it, um, america was showing that they had drafted people that didn't want to be in the war that we were fighting in the jungle close quarters that people weren't really happy there i mean there was fragging of officers on the other side it showed that the vietnamese were putting human feces on spikes to stab through people and digging rat holes it was the first time where the suppression of information could not be avoided in wartime and moving forward because of that vietnam was a communist country for a little bit then became normal north korea unfortunately didn't have that now they have suppression of information they're still a communist country and well not having anything moving in or out not having that war in front of their television room i would say that was a big point in the 1950s of why the koreans still are divided with north and south of course i could be oversimplifying things and i probably am because things are always a little bit more complex than they seem but simply the lack of knowledge or both sides of the fence not sharing information is what caused such a divide between the country yeah that's probably a, a such a divide is kind of an understatement for that divide <laughs> but it was a very common theme to me for monarchies fascists and communists to control the media i feel like if you're a dictator that's the first thing you do when you get in power is control the media because if you control the media no matter what you do it doesn't really get out if everything you do is in secret it doesn't matter whether you're a middle eastern oil baron a leader of a western uh, sorry an eastern european country or you know like a present for life chinese vietnamese official it seems media it seems knowledge is truly power and simply controlling it is is how you either remain in control or is your last ditch effort to stay in control yeah well like uh one of the great ironies of our time that democracy dies in darkness the official slogan of the washington post <laughs> <laughs> oh our the whole world's news companies are jokes but nick this might be jumping too far ahead i would like to talk about four things real fast uh one of them we actually did a podcast on which you go check out at backyard philosophy anywhere you listen to podcasts or on youtube but the first one being right to repair. We talked about it in an earlier podcast, but not that many people know that it's happening. If I remember the statistic, less than 33% of the population knows about the right to repair. 
And that's a heavily influence. And I feel like media is heavily controlled with that. And going back to both the clickbait and modern things, Ukraine versus Russian separatists are still happening. French protests are still happening. Turkey's involvement in the lower Eastern European countries are still happening. Canadian Bill C-16 still exists. And yet, we don't hear about them anymore. It seems our attention spans have made it easier for suppression of information, but that might be getting too far ahead. I just wanted to mention those now before I forget. Yep. Yeah, and that's the right to repair is literally suppression of information. Like it is the information. It's not political. It's literally information. <laughs> They're suppressing the information know. about suppressing information. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy one. And uh, we have been focusing a lot on fascist Marxist countries. Not that the United States has been the best with suppression of information. I mean, we've had the Alien and Sedition Act and we've had the pentagon Watergate. papers what yeah yeah it's just a common theme in, in government i think there's one subject you didn't talk about nick about methods other than burning books or simply suppressing information uh we kind of touched on it with propaganda but brainwashing since we're talking about north korea i figure this might be a good point to talk about it yeah i don't know what you're about to say but i'm down so Suppression of information to me isn't just not telling someone. It's also giving someone information, but giving them wrong information, a red herring, so to speak. And none may be better than the master himself of Kim Jong-un in North Korea of brainwashing and manipulating his people to believing he's a god. And for, you know, jokes because, you know, movies. Well, he he doesn't have a butt. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it. He <laughs> can talk to dolphins. He burns so clean. There's no need. Oh, God. But that, I would also say, is suppression information. When you tell your people, whether it's back around, I don't know, 100 AD or now, that your leader's a god and you have nothing to compare it to, you have no other information, you have nothing to access in more information, I would say that is a suppression of information. When you don't have the right or ability to look up stuff and the government is actively trying to brainwashing you, sending those pamphlets, sending you know fake grocery stores. To me, North Korea is the golden child right now in the 21st century for suppression of information. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than North Korea. China, close second, but... Easily Olympic gold goes to North Korea. <laughs> Is that the first time North Korea's ever won gold? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but brainwashing, I think, is a form of suppressing information. If it, For some reason, when researching this, I kept thinking about Fahrenheit 451, which is a very famous book and is also one of my favorite books, of how there's only three books. In, in the book, they only talk about like the three books you need to read, the Bible— I think Founding Fathers and something else. I can't quite remember. But if you grew up as a child being told something, being fed poison into your ear, or, you know, simply just being lied to, that to me suppresses not just the information that you know, but your growth of what you believe. 
I don't know about you, Nick, but I was told as a kid to question everything, always ask questions, always stay wondering and wandering. And when you're not allowed to do that in a country, you are suppressed on more levels than one than just information. Oh, for sure. It's definitely, I mean, that's, yeah, that's like, uh, did you ever see a few years ago, North Korea came out with this ad for like their, their ski hill, their like, like super nice resort. No, and also, did they spend all of their potato money on making that video? It it looks like it. It looks like a 70s, like, the quality of film should not have been released a few years ago, I'll tell you that much. But <laughs> it's like this beautiful mountain, it's groomed, and the resort is also beautiful, but there's no people there. Like, there's, like, four or five people on the entire thing. It's so, so clearly just like a fake you know, it's propaganda, like not real, that anyone outside North Korea can see right through it. And this kind of brings up to a point that Milton made that I think is completely true. I'm trying to find what he said in my notes real quick. Okay. He said that the job of censorship is boring and unrewarding, and the quality of, of person who is attracted to the censorship job is low, so the quality of output is also low. So the everyone at the FDA is just miserable. <laughs> yeah, so the people Well, I mean, think about it how boring it is of just taking you're taking whatever input, words, video, making sure it doesn't have anything that offends. You're essentially dumbing down creativity. You're taking creativity and then making it not that. <laughs> like it's it's the opposite of like a rewarding job i imagine so you're not going to get i don't know like a a great sensor you get dmv quality censorship tell that to all the karens that's trying the... to ban video games dmv quality censorship <laughs> <laughs> oh well the fcc just won't let me be or let me be me on mtv so yeah it's a uh, it's amazing how far and yet how little we've actually gone in terms of information. I mean, this might be moving ahead from the 1950s to a little bit more current times, but the internet changed the game. It made things... I, I imagine getting something on television, you had to know somebody. And God, back in the day, showing your ankles was risque. And during the, like, what, 19... 50s or 1940s when the bikini came out it was to save material for the war front and it was so oh oh my god the children cover their eyes but it simply grew on us and if someone suppressed the info clothes you were wearing i that's just so weird to me but that used to happen that freedom of expression that that knowledge to you there's other ways but once that internet came out for a short time, it was the Wild West of just ideas flowing all over the place. And I'm not sure if this is the direction you want to go yet, Nick, of with the Internet. Yeah, I pretty much said all my points. Um, the only, I don't think it needs to be said, but people are going to complain if we don't say anything. We've talked a lot about censorship. Yes, the United States does have a First Amendment in response to censorship, but we very quickly... Within a, within a decade, went around and did some 
very anti-free speech legislation was passed. So, oh, don't worry, I'll get just to Twitter because and we have a soon. First Amendment doesn't mean that we are completely protected from from censorship at all. Like I said, so just they ten a decade after the Bill of Rights was written, not ten years, ink still drying. <laughs> we we go and censor newspapers, so censorship is always just right around the corner and not surprisingly it's happening in our time mike why don't you get tell us about it oh boy this is oh this is uh this is a hot topic for me this is the internet social media and censorship all mixing together this is this is this is sharknado in the making so the, so a bunch of things you know stuff about and social media yeah <laughs> exactly so the internet came around, I believe, 79, 81. Could be mistaken on those dates, but at least some form of a communication with the internet. And more and more it came prevalent. And new forums, websites were popping up where you could share something like, hey, this is how you fix this. This is how you build this. This is how you control this. This is a new file. Much like the Right to Repair Act on how we were talking about was how to build things, you know, how to fix things, do-it-yourself kind of stuff. And more and more grew, the easier it became to use for the public, the more ideas got spread around, more stuff came up. Then the 1990s roll around, and Big Brother gets involved, and they have to kind of control it, which at the time was kind of necessary. It was a wild animal inside a mall. It needed some direction, some control, but might have overstepped. That will be for the historians to tell. So now I'll get back to the internet in a bit, but fast forward a little bit. The internet gets faster, bigger, and stronger, and eventually ends up in our pocket with this wonderful thing called a cell phone. These cell phones have the ability to call, look up, quite literally anything in the world ever written, which is... It's a superpower. And along with that, people want to share their thoughts and opinions. Here comes the social media wave. The first part. We'll call this the tornado. This is where a touchdown happens for the tornado. The touchdown, which was social media, was kind of just showing off. Just kind of like, hey, these are my friends. These are communicate. But it quickly became like another government, Nick. Its own entity trying to control what can be said and what can't be said. None better than probably my arch nemesis, Twitter. I don't like Twitter. I don't like. I don't think you can have a good conversation with someone with only 140 so odd characters, let alone have an information exchange. And with you know an entity, I mean, it's kind of their right since it's their product. They started deplatforming people or any information that might be contradictory to what their agenda is, or even the truth, even if they were suppressing false information they were still suppressing false information and i can't just shit on twitter even though i love to other social medias did it constantly youtube which is home we should go check us out on youtube at backyardphilosophy.com um no little plug just a just a little plug there uh instagram i mean pretty much all across the board there were some types of censorship and this censorship whether it was for Flat earthers, vaccines, uh, elections, we'll probably touch on elections in a bit. They tr controlled the conversation. 
And I'm torn on this because they are censoring information being passed along. But it's also their company. They're kind of set the rules. They're, they're, they're kind of rights. But it, again, like we pointed out, Nick, it's kind of a last-ditch effort when you're losing power or you're trying to take power, control the masses through information. And I can't think of a better way to do it than with social media. I mean, we did it before our country, France, Europe, Africa, South America, Asia, Australia, all of them have done it with, you know, classic media such as newspapers, books, and television. God, how many times has the news lied to us or told us a spin simply to get more views, more clickbait like we were mentioning? I know every time the media talks about my occupation or anything loosely related to something that in my field, it's wrong. Anytime they talk about my dad's occupation, it's wrong. Or my mom's occupation, it's wrong. Yet we still believe them for all this other stuff. If we don't know about it, we, we watch the news to tell us. But when they talk about something we know, they're wrong. And we're just like, yep, we're just okay with that. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of crazy. It's all high spin the story. It's all storytelling, and that's how you suppress information. Like, um, you could write a news article like, doctor kills patient on table. Well, doctor was trying to save a patient who shot himself in the head, and he couldn't save the patient, so the patient died on the table. It's all how you spin the story. And the truth is in the details, which... Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the suspension, the attention span to do so. I mean, look at us with social media. We can't do things over seven seconds to make a video or write more than 144 characters for a idea and a suppression of, or, and just to express ourselves. So this new form of media, both the old, the newspapers, the books, the television and the current one which is social media all are grasping for power all grasping for our views our data are to control us and how we speak through information and it's not just the platforms we use but well this is kind of going with the platforms but also it used to be when you looked for something online you could find something whether it be good or bad, it wasn't up to the person's browser that you were using. They would just give you information. But now, with these entities being more powerful than other governments, companies like Google and Facebook are rewriting the rules of how information is evenly distributed. I mean, Google kind of can, well, Google has and has its own blacklist site where it pretty much bans or makes it near impossible for you to find something that's on the internet, that's completely fine, but just might go against their ideology, their ideas, which doesn't seem right to me. If you're, It seems immoral if you're an American company and you're suppressing information. Luckily, I used DuckDuckGo, which is not the browser, but, well, it is a browser add-on, but it's not the database for it. But that's a whole discussion for another time. But this new, this new suppression of information that's done by big large companies it almost shifts where the government is now in the is now a puppet for these large companies where these large companies are now controlling the information so they control who gets elected and they control who they own in the senate the house of representatives etc cetera, etc cetera. they control the information and like we said information is power 
Sorry, Nick. I've been kind of rambling on. I assume you want to get some words in. Please hop in. I do want to also talk about an immoral action like you were talking about with censorship. So it involves the U.S. So we need a, a new segment called something like when politicians could have helped or, or something, but but didn't. Uh, we'll work working title. <laughs> Everyone knows China's Internet is censored and China doesn't have the most innovative economy. So where do they go to get all the necessary equipment to censor their internet? Uh, the United States. Damn, I was going to say Russia, but, you know, <laughs> Russia kind of kings at suppressing information, too. The U.S. and Canada make all, most of the programming and, and stuff for China's firewall system. Cisco, specifically. I think I need... There's one... Yep. I think I need more bourbon for this conversation, Nick. <laughs> this is this is deep down the rabbit hole of Mike gets angry. This this is where you'll get angry. Chris Smith, he tried to pass a bill limiting U.S. sale of censorship material to companies that censor. So he's saying U.S. companies cannot sell any technology that would help a country censor their citizens if that company is a known censoring country. And uh, China would have been on that list. This bill never passed committee. Surprise! Never got surprise. to discussion. Can you imagine? Like, it's just if anything is gonna, I, if anything's gonna piss you off, that should be it. Who we, who's censoring I, it's, China? It's honestly not. The, it's not. Oh, oops. <laughs> it's off. Honestly, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Like, guys. You had the football. You're at the one yard line. Just, just do it. Just, I, I don't understand how so many countries can be such hypocrites. Let's have freedom of expression, speech. Let's make sure the world is vibrant and like, and yet we do the opposite, which kind of goes back. It's exactly like the uh, episode we did on the scientific articles, where. The uh, the one they tried to they were gonna make it. People wanted if it was government funded research, medical research is gonna be made public, and the government instead of coming together to do that, they came together to keep all that information private. <sighs> I hate lobbyists. Until I'm rich and I can have my own lobbyists, and I will love them. But again, it it all comes down to power. It's it. To me now, with the 21st century, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot, perhaps not for the Western world, I would say Eastern world, it's more traditional power, just who's in control. But for Western world, I would say the suppression of information has to deal with a lot with money. If I can suppress or not tell people information, they'll buy my product more. Like, imagine, we all know, I mean, myself included, I'm probably wearing some sweatshop clothes, selling unethical clothing, or at least... I have some of the unethical items in my house. If you have a cell phone. <laughs> For real. Uh, but imagine if that information was more prevalent, more public. People would probably change, and that would cost a lot of people money. Now, granted, you can make the argument that people don't want to know about bad things. They want to be drones and sheep and not be told the net bad things. But information knowledge is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's how you interpret it or how you handle it. Like, again, with the sweatshop clothes, you could 
take it like, oh, this is awful. I feel so bad. Or you can say, hey, now I know I can make a change. But I think now instead of with the Western world, instead of being kings, monarchs, and control, it's more about money because now money is power in the 21st century in the Western world. Yeah, and people are trying to hold on to it. It's a, It really does seem like a last-ditch effort to hold on to power because uh, when like Instagram came along, everyone was saying, oh, this is the end of Facebook and this is the end of Twitter. And it kind of seems that way. Like it kind of, I mean, I don't know. Everyone's kind of getting off Facebook and I don't know exactly the reasons, but I know a lot, personally, a lot of people I know are getting off Facebook just because of the, the censorship. Well, speaking of censorship and expression of information, and we were talking about social media and I mentioned Google, Google is a very hydric creature. It's many heads, many different avenues. On one hand, it's done wonders for the world of helping people find stuff, learn stuff. On the other hand, it's also hid information away from the world. One simple one would be Google Maps blackouts, which I did not know until researching this. Google blacks out certain zones that it owns or military bases, which military bases make sense to me if you're working with a certain country. Like, hey, if a certain country asks you, like, hey, can you black this out? Sure. But they also black out their own information. But yet, they have the right to display your information on the map of what the top of your house looks like, what the front of your house looks like, and make it public information. But yet, they won't do the same. They're suppressing their own information so you don't know about it and simply exposing yours. I found that very interesting it it yeah that's pretty pretty messed up it reminds me of a mark twain quote censorship is to tell a man he can't have a steak just because a baby can't chew it just because others can't handle the power of knowledge doesn't mean you hide it from the world and nick yeah it's one thing to hide all of that knowledge from the world it's another to hide only your own yes that's uh in bird culture, that's considered a dick move. <laughs> I thought that was a, a blue booby move. No? No no bird Either joke? Or. You didn't like it? No. Aw, sadness. But we mentioned with the internet, like it, was, it brought great things, like how to fix things, how to get energy, how to get communications in a lot of third world countries and in your own home. But again, here comes suppression of information. They won't tell you how to do a lot of things. One specifically that's been very popular in the last five years i think since 2015-16 is guns with the rise of 3d printers and at-home machinists lots of bans both on the government side and on the internet side have been trying to hide that information and to me if you're smart enough to able to build it yourself you're probably okay to own it Actually, I'd make the argument, if you're smart enough to build your own gun, you're probably more capable and more responsible than the person who goes and buys a gun. I would say that's probably a high success chance because you actually know what goes into it. But the suppression of how to build stuff, whether it be good or bad, because guns are neutral until the person holds it, wields it, does what it wants. It If you're giving all that information away, which it was free, but now you hide it from the world because it doesn't align with your views. That's suppression of information. That's censorship. That's that's wrong. You shouldn't hide information simply because you don't like it. And again, guns, how to build things, how to like the right to repair act, which I keep going back to, 
just simply how to fix your own things. If you want to hide that knowledge from someone, that seems morally wrong. I don't know how so many people are okay with it. Well, people are a lot more okay with censorship than I think people think when you, if you ask someone, you say, are you for censorship? They'd, they'd say no, but censorship is pretty common in our world. And there's a lot of stuff that people agree should be censored. Out of curiosity, Nick, what do you think should be censored? I really don't know, but I'm going to talk about things that are currently censored that is pretty universally agreed should be censored. People don't want to see, at least in the United States, anything related to sex on the TV, on wherever, movies, YouTube. That seems to be a no-go. Violence is okay. Sex is not. And, like, look at it from YouTube's perspective. You know, people don't want to go on YouTube and see sex. I mean, that's not true. (laughs) I'm sure everyone wants to go on YouTube and see sex, but they don't want their kids to see it. And there's a, at the very beginning of YouTube, before it was regulated like it is, there's a lot of bad shit on YouTube. I mean, and, and this is, I think, one of the craziest things that I can never quite wrap my head around. YouTube had slave auctions on it at one time. People would put human slaves and show YouTube videos and sell them through YouTube before like the the censorship YouTube we know today. I think most people can agree that shouldn't be on YouTube. And there's a, a lot of, if you go down enough, like watch enough kids YouTube videos, there's a lot of YouTube videos that are looks like they're for kids, but really it's all about like grooming and like pedophilia shit. So like, and YouTube does a pretty good job about finding these and taking them off. So there's things that shouldn't be that I I think that like, that's a no go, right? Like anything illegal, like human trafficking, that seems, seems pretty cut and dry. Yeah. I would say anything that harms people that's kind of like, Hey, you're supporting violence. And you're supporting evil, but it's hard to, to fully define evil. Like you're just, it, well, one, I want to say uh, the nudity thing is an American thing. Uh, violence is in the other world. It's kind of cultural based, but I think we should, I think we can all agree that the people who are auctioning slaves and the pedophiles should be, you know, find a, uh, a long rope and a short fall uh, if you catch my drift. But yeah, I agree with that. I I would also like to add on, we should probably censor private information. Like you should choose what you have public or not public. So like my social security number or my bank information. And I would also add on to, I want to be careful with my wording here, but security of lives of current occupants. So a soldier or spy who's overseas Suppress their information so they don't get exposed. Get exposed. Uh, a police officer, a nurse, a even a criminal. Suppress the inform- name of the criminal so the family doesn't get you know the backlash of whatever that criminal did. I can see that being suppressed. But who controls that and how it is done is a very delicate situation. It's almost like do a little evil for greater good, especially when it comes to national security suppression of information. That one is a complicated one to me because I see both sides of the argument. Yeah, and, and that's the biggest problem with censorship, right, is it's uh, 
you know, you give an inch, they take a mile. You know, you agree that we all, like we said, human trafficking should be censored. And so, but then, they, you know, whoever's in charge, you know, turn around and say, well, this, this could be human trafficking related. It's like, okay, but, but is it? And, you know. I don't think censoring is the right word for, like, like those slave auctions. Not exposing, but like still, but not hiding it. So, but not hiding, I mean, don't release it to the general public, but grabbing that information and then sharing it with the proper authority so that shit comes to a stop but maybe not support i mean if you simply let everything shown you're one way or another supporting it and when something that evil and that cruel yeah i don't think you should share with the public but should still not ignore it i just want to make that clear with that suppression that's true and so reason that like the justification of censorship would be you know it's it's protecting people it's protecting women and minors uh it's protect preventing people from being scammed it, it stops people from being offended it removes false data and people are only shown truths and that way they're going to be smarter because they only see truths it protects people's copyrights it protects national security it encourages compliance and it's necessary to maintain the state these are things that people use to in their justification of censorships i think the most important ones for just like a blanket statement of if you're going to look at this from some kind of legislative view is national security, protecting copyrights, and protecting people. After that... Can I add a detail to the protecting people? I would say protecting people physically, not emotionally. That's true. That's a good one. Good point. Yeah. Because people are, <laughs> people are going to be scammed one way or There's another. There's always a mark. People... Everyone's offended, you know, encouraging compliance is probably one of the scariest things I've ever heard <laughs> and necessary to maintain the state. And I think if there's anything we learned so far is that if you need censorship to maintain the state, you're on the way out. <laughs> You've done something to get to that point where it's not maintainable anymore. Nick, I realize we're kind of writing a playbook for a dictator. As we do these podcasts, which is like how a government operates and how it should hide its stuff. That's true. Um, I would say, though, I, as much as it pains me to say, some sem some censorship and suppression of information is necessary. Whether I like it or not, it's sometimes necessary for the individual and also for the country. But it is a very, very slippery slope. And it is a great power to have to decide what can be suppressed and not suppressed. I feel like there should be a committee, not just, you know, DMV people, the FCC, just, you know, a public community of what can be censored and not censored for the world. Or that's not, that's a terrible analogy. Never mind. I scratched the idea. Saying that is a terrible idea. I don't know. It's, I understand that there needs to be some censorship but I don't have to like it. Yeah. And so censorship, uh, you know, we talked about why people do it and the reasons it's bad, obviously, but there's something we haven't completely touched on yet. Censorship doesn't allow people to hold the government accountable, which is one of the main things that a press is supposed to do, at least in the United States from historical examples. 
Um, it also encourages falsehoods. It has a negative impact to the economy, and it makes people dumber. And I think this is an important one to note. It inhibits self-expression, and that's some people are like. Well, that's not true. It's like okay, if you if there's a certain list of things you can and can't do, and that list of things you can't do is pretty fucking big. It turns out that that's actually inhibiting self-expression. <laughs> yes, and if I could add on to this, Nick, I would say being gay is was for a long time a suppression of information. I mean, all the way to the ancient Greeks, there were entire armies of just made up of gay couples. Uh, throughout all of human history, there's been homosexuals, and it wasn't until the Spartans were very gay. <laughs> Nick, are you just talking about yourself? No. I'm, ta- I'm talking about the the 300 Spartans. I'm talking about the come and take oh, God. it. All the <laughs> all the all the Spartan hats and stickers on everyone's jeeps and rifles. Oh God! All right. Well, also gay. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, for a long time, homosexuality was considered a sin, or quite literally, against the law. There are countries that are still against the law. But even though all throughout humanity and, you know, with science that it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if you're gay or not. It, if you're, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. If you're a nice person, you're a nice person. It doesn't matter what sexuality you are. But I imagine that suppression of information was quite damaging until, I mean, I, I, I imagine how many people came out of the closet due to social media and the internet knowing that they're not alone, oh, they're in for people, just having the knowledge that they can stand by the, with other people like them. No more suppressing information, like no more brainwashing saying that if you're gay, you're going to hell. You're, if you're gay, you're, you know, you're, something's wrong with you. It was brainwashing, it was suppressing information of knowing, oh, this doesn't mean jack shit. You can be a fool. It's like when people say uh, the young are foolish and the old are wise. You can be a fool when you're young or a fool when you're old. Same with like uh, with you know people being gay. You can be a dick when you're gay. You can be nice when you're gay. It doesn't it doesn't matter. It's individual base. And I, I imagine having that information now open, no longer suppressed, has helped a lot of people. Granted, with countries still suppressing information, <coughs> China. Uh, it's probably still not the greatest for people. It is allergy season. Having knowledge gives you the power. Having knowledge as an individual gives you the power. But it also strikes me very interesting that the government has the right to censor itself from you, but you don't have the right to censor yourself from the government. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? And and I just wanted to... I mean, we talked about in our mini-episode where... You know, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. Okay, well, if I have nothing to hide, why are you investigating me? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think it's uh, gets much simpler than that. But yeah, the government can look up all this stuff about you, and we are pretty restricted in what we can know about the government. Yeah, imagine if we had. Uh... And what about? And it's not always hidden, right? Like you can get a Freedom of Information Act for a lot of things, but it's. It's not hidden in that sense. It's hidden in all the bullshit you have to go through to get that information, right? And then be able to interpret it. Yeah, it seems very... Oh, well, one, they can have redacted information where it's completely blacked out and you can't tell. But two, how come the civilian has to jump through so many red 
hoops to get information or to ask for information. But yet, police officers or the government can just ask a judge and quite literally in a few hours have a subpoena for information on you. It seems like the process should go both ways. It shouldn't be one versus the other. Definitely should. I, I thought it was funny um, in today's day and age where books are getting banned left and right. I was like, man, it's going to be hilarious when uh, the feds break into my house and they they rush right past my guns and just start taking my bookshelf. I might physically cry if I had to witness a book burning. That, it, Nick, have you seen the new adaptation of Fahrenheit 451 with Michael B. Jordan? No, have I haven't. Have you read Fahrenheit 451? Nope. Well. I probably know yes, I should. Even if you don't want to, even if you're on a plane coming to visit someone, you should download like Fahrenheit 451 or something like that. I think it's like four bucks on Amazon or something like that. Very cheap, but so very true. And for those who are not familiar with Fahrenheit 451, the premise is these firefighters, I use firefighters loosely, go around and burn artwork, poems, books, kind of freedom of expression items. So anything that's kind of different doesn't follow the guidelines. The reason why it's called 451, because I believe that's the temperature when paper at the time ignites. You had me at firefighters and burning, and then you lost uh, The me. firefighters are the villains in this, Nick. Oh, it's like the only time. Usually it's the cops. <laughs> uh, but they go around and try collecting anyone who's, who is passing information and anyone who has information. And the reason why I bring up the modern invitation is because I like how they did the twist of it. Instead of just, you know, physical books... They were uploading information to backdoor internet services of books, artwork, paintings, and stuff like that. They were having hard drives for it. And I feel like that was very telling of our civilization where you have to have back forums to share information, to to, to preserve books. Because I don't know about you, Nick, but I don't think any book should ever be banned. I had to read some horrible horrible books in high school which i hate granted i probably didn't read them i probably just sparked note to them but just because you don't like it doesn't mean you get the right to have it disappear it should still exist and i don't think any book any art or creation has the right to be hidden and suppressed from the world so two things one you should check out Wikipedia has a page called List of Book Burning Don't. Incidents. And uh, it is honestly insane how many books were burned, like throughout, like it's wild, or events, book burning events. Second, um, I don't know, have you heard about the Minecraft server? But in it is like a library of just a bunch of like books that are blocked in a lot of countries. And so a lot of countries that block, you know, you're you going from certain websites to look at certain things, they don't block Minecraft. So you can log on to Minecraft, download this map, and it's got like this spot, and you can open these chests, and there's all these different books and articles and stuff that have been censored in the country that they're in, so they can read them there. I fucking love the internet. Internet is the undefeated champs. 
that to the humans or human who came up with that and made that bravo my friends you just bravo it's called the uncensored library and it literally looks like a giant french castle and then the inside each room is modeled after whatever country and there's the books are in there i fucking love the and it's got it currently has 200 books with more added all the time it includes articles by censored jailed and even murdered journalists it's that's like a digital version of the library of alexandria pretty much yeah that makes me so happy nick i still i have fleeting hope but i still have hope for humanity it's it's really wild how the video game community can be the most ruthless, <laughs> toxic, but also the best at the same time. <laughs> yeah, like we all hate it. To me, the internet's like Athens versus Sparta. They all hate each other, fight against each other. But as soon as like Persia or another entity comes in to try to fuck with them, they both become the best allies ever and just screw and destroy whoever's attacking them. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you can't... F- only we can fuck with these people. <laughs> Only we can tell these people we bang their mom. <laughs> Back to the days of the Modern Warfare servers. Good old Modern Warfare 2, free-for-all on Rust. There's a few things that I wanted to touch on real quick. In modern times, more and more news outlets are being bought up by one or two companies, turning into you know, one single company. Monopolies. And which has resulted in censorship, obviously. Honestly, a really good job of this was covered in Anchorman 2. But this leads to less muckraking, less investigative journalism, and results in just bland news. And I think we can all agree there. As well as academic freedom of speech. And we touched on this in our Conspiracy, the Scientific Articles one, where we talked about the biases and just what you have to do to get your article published, your journal published, and it's more political than scientific. And that may not seem like a form of censorship, I guess, but if you're not allowing scientific information out because the politics don't align with your view, that's pretty much the definition of suppression of information. And these aren't articles that are being withheld because of they're not there can't be recreated or nothing scientific articles get published every day that can't get recreated in in conditions so i don't understand why we can't publish these articles and then you people review them after they're published because there's a lot of articles out there right now that are doing tons of damage for this that have been approved i mean it's like you know why not let them all through <laughs> you know i i can't Upon doing research for all our various podcasts, I've come across quite a few journals where I read an article and it's like, hmm, that doesn't seem right. Let me see what the the peer reviews say. And it's like, oh, couldn't recreate this. Couldn't recreate this. Your results drastically differed. It's like, okay, that, that seems right. Or it does work. But either way, let other people be their own censor. And I didn't want to end on two down, but I did want to say, in my personal opinion... Censorship leads to an enlightenment, and I think you can see it now, the beginnings of it. Now, don't get me wrong. Censorship oftentimes takes place during a hard, terrible part of history, (laughs) but at the end of it, good things happen. You can't have, 
you can't have your cake and eat it too. You got to go through some shit to get a reward. That's just that's just the way life is. You know, like we said previously, a lot of Confucius's works were hunt, hunted down, burned. He became he quickly spread. Same thing in Europe after the Inquisitions, the Enlightenment happened. People wanted more information. And I think you can see that now where we talk a lot about how oh, it's a seven you know, seven-second culture, you know, of vines, or not vines, oh my god, TikToks, of TikToks and Instagram, you know, Twitter, but how is Joe Rogan the most popular podcast? Sometimes three-hour conversations. More and more long-form podcasts are what people are wanting to listen to. So how does that coincide with where a instant gratification seven-second uh, society. I think what we're starting to see is obviously like the news is, is kind of dying mostly maybe because of censorship or just we're moving to a different, you know, we went from radio to TV. We're going TV to the internet and now we're going from cable news to podcast. But I think out of, I think you always put this a lot better, but out of death comes life, right? We're losing what we thought of as the old way and we're turning into something new and I'm not saying it's going to get better right away but I do think at the end of censorship leads to something good because people see the the terribleness of censorship and what it does to society what do you think Mike I came with a coin a few years ago it pretty much so each I I, I completely think that humans just recycle and just repeat I think history truly repeats itself and I completely agree with you Nick every every Middle Ages comes followed by a Renaissance. Every, you know, uh, Spanish Inquisition is followed by a uh, Enlightenment period. I would say the new mountain is on the rise. I I can't remember the Latin phrase for it, but I as nerdy as it sounds, but I came up with a Latin phrase of new mountain, kind of like a new era, new new beginning. I truly think right now we're in a very divided area of people who want only short term and and some people who are okay with the long term but if we have some people who want long term those are the people i think who can truly make a big difference those who are the people who are more disciplined with bigger attention span and no cause is ever lost if there's one more fool to fight for and again if i'm sticking with the nerdiness i came up with a nerdy quote for this nick and don't make fun of me too bad but it kind of goes something like this. Never fear knowledge. Knowledge is freedom. Yes, it is dangerous. It is scary. But it is also so beautiful. With knowledge, you can craft a world that has never existed before. Never fear knowledge. And never let any hide knowledge from you. I think it's very true. I mean, even the old gods... Odin gave up his eye for knowledge. And if a god's willing to give up his eye for knowledge, how much are we willing to fight so our knowledge isn't lost or suppressed? You know what that quote reminded me of? Which one? The scene, the, the knowledge is... Freedom. Freedom. It reminded me of the scene when Luke Skywalker goes into the cave on Dagobah and he strikes down Darth Vader and it's his face inside the helmet. I'm... 
happy you could somehow relate it to Star Wars, Nick. I did not see that correlation, but now that say, you said that, I can sort of see it. Hey, bring it back to space for you, bud. Ah, where I feel the most comfortable. But, Nick, we've been talking about a lot of knowledge, information. Out of curiosity, where could people find us, and what book are you reading? Please tell me you're not burning it. Uh, only for survival. I'm reading Deep Survival. It's basically who lives and who dies in survival situations. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, mental attitude, really. It's, it's all it is. You get focus, purpose, purpose probably more than anything. But uh, you find us on Instagram, and you find us on YouTube. Can they... What are you reading, Mike? Well, I was going to say, can they find us on Twitter after I shit it on Twitter I so much? don't even want to talk about Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still reading Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. I'm probably going to be reading that for a while because I'm still in my busy season, so I only get maybe a chapter every so days. So apologies for everyone listening, but that'll be the book I'll be reading for a bit. And that's all we wrote. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram 